0: Hello and welcome to the Life at Leighton podcast with me, Sarah Glanville as your host. Here at Leighton UK, we know our people are more than just their job. The careers of our people are part of their unique lives and who they are as a whole person is what fundamentally contributes to their success and the success of our business. In the podcast, we'll spend time with one of our exceptional people from across the business, and in each episode, we'll look to explore the people behind the job titles. The unique and brilliant stories that make them who they are. In episode nine, I got the chance to sit down with our very own Head of Sales Development, Jack Hankey. Jack leads our sales development teams here at Latin UK and in Casablanca. And from the day that I met Jack, he's spoken passionately about coaching culture and the value of investing in his people's development. When I heard about how coaching has featured throughout different times in his life and how he has refined his own coaching skill set, it was clear we needed to have him on the podcast to talk about that journey and how it has benefited his teams. I'll let Jack tell you about his story in his own words, but what you'll hear from him is the real impact of a life being coached and how that results in the need to pay that back to others. So thank you for tuning in. Grab yourself a coffee, and get ready to be inspired by the people that are Leighton UK. Hello, Jack. Welcome to episode nine of the Life at Leighton podcast. We've been waiting a minute to record this one. How are you today?
1: I'm very good. Thank you. Yeah, good to be. It's been looking forward to it. It's been a while since we first said we were going to do it.
0: Yeah, we have been keeping you waiting, but yeah, am glad we're finally getting round to it. So I've really been keen to have you on the podcast for a long time because I know how passionate you are about coaching culture and it really is at the heart of the success of your teams here at Leighton and you've got a really interesting story behind where you discovered your passion for coaching so do you want to start us off today by talking us through that journey?
1: Yeah of course so I was coached as as a, a tennis player when I was younger so from like seven years old I've always had a coach um, and obviously it benefited me with tennis was able to play um through like county levels and all that sort of stuff and it then turned into from being coach to then becoming the coach it was the perfect Saturday job when I was at college <laughs> uh paid much better than glass collecting or pot washing and it was a bit more enjoyable because I was out in the sun in the summer and yeah so we just I ended up starting coaching when I was probably about 16 17 uh, just at a local tennis club which I still play for locally and yeah started doing that worked with a coach there who was fairly good I knew that coach from when I was using my mom's first coach when we were very younger and yeah so I started coaching worked my way through various different levels of coaching I won't bore you with the details we have to various different qualifications went to America for nine months to coach out there when I was 20 which was a lot of fun the coaching wasn't the best part of it the best part of it was going experience in America and I'd never been before so that was really exciting and then yeah started um, a career set up my own little tennis coaching business became a head coach uh, at a club in Wimbledon which was a perfect place to be a head coach I thought Uh, did that for two two years two or so years had various different coaching jobs all over the country and I was a uh, I was wanting to specialize in performance coaching and kind of felt at the time when I was about 24 I believe I'd hit the ceiling in tennis coaching which I know is very young to do that and there's plenty of coaches career coaches who do it all their life and have a great life but I'd taken a player to junior Wimbledon she got to the quarterfinals it was really exciting and for everyone else I was just like oh is that it like <laughs> yeah so I just kind of knew at that point I was done so I decided to move into the wonderful world of sales uh obviously I think moving straight to management I had to you know um earn the right to be able to do all that and learn my trade etc got my first job in sales thanks to my dad he'll say it wasn't thanks to him but it definitely was thanks to him he helped me out getting that job made my way through had various different roles found a job working for a sports clothing company selling to like sports people and it was perfect because i love sport i could talk to people it was it's such a really good way for me to build rapport and it just it was my sweet spot and it really worked for me i spent a couple of years there loved it, had various different like sales manager, regional manager role etc um, and then left that role taken had of sales role which was good fun and kind of felt like at that point I really needed to take a step back again and really try and find a way of, um, I didn't think I was the finished article as a salesperson, I felt like it was wrong for me to try and train people because I actually wasn't doing any coaching as a head of sales at that point, I was just Trying to tell them what to do and going about it completely the wrong way, which I but I assumed was the right way because that was my only exposure to leaders before. So just before COVID, I ended up taking a role as a, a, a business development manager at like a software company, but also they had they worked in like they originally were a paper company where they did like health and safety training, so it was health and safety software. Um, and I worked for this guy who's called Paddy, and it was I only had five six months with him but it was actually what he instilled in me in that first month on what a sales leader is he was a phenomenal coach and I learned so much of him which he probably would never realize because we've not spoke since then (laughs) obviously COVID happened I got made redundant all that but how he went about working it was always about he was never worried about the sale he was worried about how you got better in that sale Um, obviously he was worried about the sale but the way he went about it was if I can get you being better at sales the sales would We'll just do them do it themselves. So it was fascinating how he went into the detail, worked through training programs. Like we have quite an intense training program here. It was quadruple the intensity of that. Had to stay away from home for a month and everything. It was mental. Uh so but it was really good and he was a fantastic coach. But unfortunately it didn't really work out for me there. COVID hit ended up getting made redundant. Obviously I had lots of cuts in the business. Actually business still's going still going quite strong as well, which is fantastic to see. And then I found myself at Leighton, had a few, had to work in COVID, doing various different bits. Uh, And then I found myself at Leighton coming in as a sales manager for the business development team. And it was a very daunting role. I was coming in coaching, uh, well, managing and coaching people who knew more about the product than me, more about the industry than me. And it was very much like, what am I going to do here to, one, be successful and, you know, stand the test of time at the company but two, actually make these guys um, appreciate my management style, but also want to work for me. So I kind of approach them. I'm going to teach them stuff they don't know. Now I don't mean in the sense of like not knowing how to sell them. all that. It was more I know late and I went through the late and training. We we coach people to sell their way, and it's really good and it's very successful. So I thought, why don't we add a couple more strings to the bow and get them working in a different way so they can react and move. And it really worked because it resonated with them very quickly. And we all of a sudden, it was no real, after the first initial month or two of it embedding in, it was no real issues like, oh, he doesn't know the product. He doesn't know what he's taught. He's never done the job. Uh, so it was really exciting. And I thank them. There was four guys. It was Jake Toll, Ross Howarth, Callum Sheridan and uh, Sam Waldridge, who was the original team I had. Without them four, I probably wouldn't be sitting here having a podcast with you. So I'm forever grateful of how, um receptive they were to me. They were willing to learn. And that, that that's half the job. If people are willing to learn, then the battle's pretty much won because I was very confident i would able to teach them. Uh, and then yeah find myself I'm in the position I am now as head of sales development for Leighton, trying to instill the culture of always add value to your people. I think coaching is too barreled. It's it's very simple, easy for me to teach someone how to do it or tell them this is the best way to do it and they take it on board. We have to give them the belief as well to be able to do it. So it's, it's, it's that two-pronged approach, like show them how to do it and instill them with the belief. When you're coaching tennis or anything, you don't just tell someone how to hit a forehand, you drill it with them, but don't say a word. You instill them belief like saying, amazing shot, you see what you did there, that's perfect. You really instill that belief in somebody that can go and do it in matches so we can instill it, so people can go and do it in their sales calls or their meetings, et cetera. So yeah, in a nutshell, sure I was a bit—I rambled a bit, but that—that's me. <laughs> that's where I am.
0: No, that's fantastic, and I think it's great to see the journey that you've been on in your own understanding of coaching and your own experience of coaching and how you've been able to give that to others. I think it's really clear that that experience that you've had and the benefit that you've seen on the back of the, having the opportunity to be coached is the opportunity to others and the people that you manage, which is fantastic. Why do you think that coaching is such an effective performance tool?
1: I think because it's really simple. If you're coaching someone, you're adding value to them. It's really simple to get them to buy into you and be able to progress through how they want to work. So you can tell people, it shows a genuine interest that you want them to be better. Like like I said about the Paddy thing, he was bothered about the sale. I knew he was bothered about the sale because that's what he was targeted on. But he made he gave out the impression that he wasn't and he was more bothered about our development. And when you do that, you really buy into that person because you know they're investing a lot of time into you. You know they're doing it for your best interest. They're not just coming into morning meetings, tell me your numbers, how you're getting on, why you're underperforming, well done for overperforming. Let's keep going. It's it's all it's, it's just it's just rubbish basically. So if you can really explain and understand the reason why they're doing the selling, why they're doing the role, why they want to do this, and if they can instill one of the things, you know, when we are recruiting people, one of the big things I'm looking for is if people can be coached. I would take on a someone with less of a, a track record who I actually think has an ability to go and do the job and be able to learn. So. Yeah, it's that buying culture they're able to buy into you they're able to they, they want to work for you they want to work with you and therefore, it's easy because every time they speak to you, they know they're going to get value. One of the things I always say to the teams is, any conversation you have, other than the likes of when you're going out for lunch or anything like that, one to one teams, make sure people leave with value. It could be that they go, mm, I'm not going to, that doesn't work for my style. That's fine. They've got value off it because they know they're not going to be, able, they don't going to try and work that way. Or it goes, that really resonated with me. I'm going to be, I'm going to go and execute this now. And the, the, what the co- what the, the managers do, you know, they're really good with the feedback loop. So once they do their sessions, they will ask for examples in the next coming days, etc. Of people demonstrating. And you, you would think people might not want to share the calls or share the videos, or meetings, etc. But they do, like, because they want to they want to know how to execute it. They want to know how to get it better. It's a fantastic. It's a really good um, way of working. Uh, and it, I, I didn't bring it into and We've always had it. I think I've tried to take it up a level in the departments, et cetera, because uh, with the managers, especially, because sometimes when you get to management positions, it's very easy to think, you know, I kind of just like, oh, I've just got to worry about the numbers and all that. No, you worry about your people first and numbers come.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think that is such a such a great way to look at people management, like, because it is at the end of the day, you are managed on numbers, right? In a sales function, you are managed on numbers, but it's yeah. having that, belief in your ability to coach people and belief in your ability in your people's ability to be coached and to learn and to become better and knowing if you invest that time in them the numbers will take care of themselves um exactly yes. fantastic what impact does building a coaching culture have on an organization like in UK
1: I talk about it all the time, like within the office and you'll probably hear me talk about it. I I call it the payback culture that Leighton's built. It's not just the managers who do this, it's the people as well. The someone who started at Leighton had so much help from either... I'll talk about the sales department here, like, you know, some people, it's the start of their journey in their career. Other people have been doing it a little bit longer. And you've got people in the office, business developers, managers, team leaders, etc. who all have a vast amount of experience. And they all want to share it, not just the managers, it's the people as well. So when that, say, for example, a BD supports a SD and that SD starts getting better and, uh, you know, the BD, obviously, they all start working in a certain way. All of a sudden, that SD, then someone else comes in, they want to pass on down because they feel like they have to, Um, which they don't have to. But they know it's like I was supported so much. I have to. And that's why I call it a payback. I need to pay back now. It's like that, you know, when you're in a shop and you pay forward for a coffee and all that sort of stuff. It's that sort of model where if someone's doing something kind and helpful for you, which that's what it is, coaching people, making people better, it's a, it's, it's kindness. You want to see people flourish. So you should always want to pay that back. Obviously not at the detriment of your own work. That is always going to be your own priority. Your own development should always be your priority until you move into those uh, management management roles or team leader roles. But sometimes we have to tell people, look, focus on yourself for a bit. I know you're really helpful, but let's just focus on yourself, Um, which isn't a bad conversation to have because it's the heart's in the right place. They want to support. They've got this experience, this knowledge. And actually, when people do want to move into these team leader roles or these margin roles, it makes it really difficult decisions for the likes of myself and the other people who will be making those decisions because so many people have shown the ability to be able to do it. So all of a sudden, it's like... This is really difficult. This is really hard. <laughs> um, but it's not a bad problem to have. It's a great no, problem to have.
0: It is, it is a great problem to have. Um, I just think when it's, it's very similar to the experience that you've had, when you do get so much yourself from other people investing time in you, it's really hard not to want to give that to other people, which is... And and I, I know you've coined the phrase "payback culture," but I use it on pretty much every screening call that I do for your department, Jack. I talk about it constantly. Um, I you credit the you with for, it. For the yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I, I credit you with it. But um, it's uh it's the perfect way to describe the culture here at Leighton, I think. Definitely. Um, so, what does coaching actually look like for you and your teams here at Leighton? What do you what do the guys do? What do they do for each other?
1: Yeah. So it depends on what part of the journey people are on. So it could be. If people have started out, it's very much dissecting cores, moving from various different stages and breaking it down. It's not just throwing everything at once. Let's master a part, master the next part, master the, the other part, and everything will hopefully marry and work together. The the overriding theme I always say to my team is spend an hour a week doing coaching. It, and sometimes it can be when I was uh, managing the BDs, et cetera, I always used to do it as BD-led. I do it now as managers. I still try and coach managers. If they have any issues, come to me. You know, I'm not going to tell you what you're good at, what you're not so good at, etc. Because I don't know. I'm not. I, you know, I have teams in Scotland and London and Morocco, etc. I'm not there all the time, so I can't see everything. So I need them to be honest and have that um, understanding of themselves to go. Yeah, I'm not so good at this. Can you help me? Sometimes I can. I'm not going to try and coach someone at something that isn't my skill set. But I'll be able to point them in the right direction of someone who will be able to help them. The so that's the first bit. The second bit is as a developing and getting through, and we're thinking about moving them on to various different uh, roles in the business, or you know, sort of growing the career. It's all about really going into detail of where they want to see. So it could. It's not necessarily just about how you're selling it could be about how you're managing your day it could be about how you're managing pipelines it could be you know sometimes you know you have to coach people like on like stuff that's going on in their personal life like maybe interfering but like you know you're in the career now you need to have these sort of conversations with people and again it's still I would still class that as coaching because if things are getting in the way in personal life you know I've, I've we've all had things that happen and I've seeked advice from brian or whoever and people seek advice from me and it's part of the whole coaching aspect of the role um so yeah so we try and get it so it's very structured very simple with a feedback loop going on various different points of where they are in the career will depend on how we coach them we like it to be we will lead it to start but then it's people led and then it's a blend of everything else in between after
0: yeah Brilliant. I mean, what's that saying? Like, you can give a man a fish, or you can teach him how to fish. Like, people exactly. have to yeah. learn how to identify their own areas for development and be part of that process of coming forward with solutions to become better at things. And under and they yeah. like they believe in it more when they're part of the they 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 come up with the solution to become better, or they're they bought into that process of of improving.
1: Exactly so it's all conversational as well there's no point coming in right we're going to do this listen let's go it should be like does that resonate with you what are your key takeaways if it doesn't resonate with you let's understand why Uh, because maybe we're going the wrong way about it everyone learns in different ways I know for me if someone sent me a 10 page document to read and learn something from it I'm not learning anything it won't that wouldn't stick in with me I need someone to talk to me and show me and explain and do it that way but some people learn that way they need it all uh you know on the sheet of paper understanding everything D- they go over and go over as if they're revising it and that's fine we adapt and we do it that way as well but it all comes from the conversation with the manager understanding everyone's different it's just yeah. not one size fits all etc
0: yeah for sure and um, i can imagine that with the coaching culture you've developed, Jack, that there's mm-hmm. coaching all different ways. So, like, maybe sometimes your guys will be coaching up as well. So, like, you'll get feedback and, and you're expecting feedback on the way that you guys are managing and your managers are managing. And um, I can imagine it's a real kind of collaboration and everyone's got a part to play in the coaching atmosphere.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, You know, I've got a really strong team around me uh, at the moment. Um, and when I say strong, they're very forthcoming with ideas, they'll also tell me if you know they'll be very honest with me, uh, sometimes <laughs> too honest uh if I do say so myself, but it's good. I don't mind that I encourage that. I want them to push not put me in the corner and push me, but yeah, try and push me in into like thinking differently if i'm if cause sometimes I will maybe be making decisions that people might not agree with um but I always try to explain why we're making the decisions and why we're gonna do it this way. Um, and then sometimes, you know, they, there's a there's a running joke. I think it's Max Brown always says because I I made a decision once and I flip flopped from it <laughs> very quickly, and um, he, he stuck it stood the test of time. And he yeah. constantly reminds me that that is that is me. But it wasn't. It was a yeah. It was a decision I made which I slept on and instantly regretted the morning after. So I decided not to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like Max to not let go of something, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I always try and make sure if I remember something he's done, I, I'll remind him. Oh, that well.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's only fair. <laughs> All right, Jack, thank you so much for that. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover off on coaching culture and or coaching environment before we finish up? Um,
1: I, I think the key thing I want to try and get across here is, you know, if things are tough whilst you're in your career and you're trying to make sure you, you know you're developing and getting better and all that sort of stuff, and it's not working, don't worry. Trust the process. If you're not understanding the process is working for you and it's not working for you, again, don't worry. Seek advice from your manager, wherever you're working, your team leaders, peers, mentors, whatever, and get an understanding and break down. Don't be scared to admit to I don't want to say failure because it's not failure you're learning but don't be scared of that word that like the only way you can be successful is if you've made mistakes and you failed there's no way you can be successful unless you have done something wrong in the past if everything's gone right I think I heard it um, I was scrolling through Instagram probably last night or something you know you get these reels (laughs) up and all that Um, be able to execute what you can do in the chaos so if chaos is going on Things are a thing. If you're able to execute on your job, if you're able to execute on what's needed to be done when there's chaos all around you and you can remain calm, do it. Trust the process. If things aren't working for you, but you're pretty confident and people are telling you it's coming, more experienced. I meant to, it does come. Like I've seen so many people. Then yeah. it just like boom, it, it works. Clicks. Yeah, all of a sudden I use. Carl Clapperton is a great example. He's one of the managers in the department. He started as a junior sales developer and he actually used this in his interview to become the manager. So he won't mind <laughs> saying because he he, he, he he uses it to empathize with his teams, which is fantastic. And he talks about he was probably the worst junior sales dev Layton's ever seen in them first two months. Made about 2,000 <laughs> calls, got nowhere and all that. And then but he stuck in a process. He had a great coach at the time and he worked through that process. And then all of a sudden he then became a BD on my team. And then when I moved over to the sales development department, I asked him to come and join me. Um, et cetera, And all that if he would be interested. So yeah. So it was um so that's what I'd say, trust the process, accept failure, and yeah, be prepared to um work in chaos going around you because that's how you get get good the good stuff done.
0: Yeah amazing I know I remember Kyle talking about those those conversion rates yeah my brain about exploded but I mean it it is it's so true it just takes that kind of like willingness to learn the the the, the work ethic and yeah just being a sponge to feedback right and if you're able to do that the right the good things happen if you know if you're able to action on the the feedback that you get
1: exactly awesome well
0: I mean I can't let you finish up without telling me if you're excited about Wimbledon.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I am excited. Um, as, as we sit here today, Queens has just finished, so and Carlos Alcaraz is going to be number one seed, which is exciting um, because it means him and Djokovic won't meet to the final. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm a bit disappointed. I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, big Nick Kyrgios fan, and it doesn't look like he's going to be playing. And I think he's probably one of the, the players who could push them on grass. Yeah. Um, but no, um, English contingency looks good last year, Cam Noé got to the semi-finals, so hopefully he can do something like that again, which is always good. Uh, but I do think no one can really touch Djokovic in a minute, so it's, it's I, I hate to say <laughs> it, I don't hate to say it, I, mean, I, I actually quite like him, but I know he's a little bit Marmite for people, um, but... Yeah, I think it will be Djokovic this year, but I'm excited for it, I was going to try and go down, but um, with the start of our, fight, the, they pushed it back a little bit this year, so with the start of our financial year and all that, uh, didn't really want to take any days off.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to ask if you were going down, I mean, no. I think it's like an incredible thing to go see, like, oh, the Oh, it's whole... fan- fantastic,
1: yeah. it's, I went last year, um, and it's, it's such a brilliant day, I went middle Saturday last year, so there's loads of tennis going on. Uh I was very lucky when I was younger. I used to get tickets to go most years, um, so yeah. So it's it's great. It's good fun. Um, I don't really like strawberries and cream or pims, so I tend to just stick to the the lager or the or the non-alcoholic beverages. And yeah, but it's a great day especially when the sun's shining. And you can't beat it. I don't think as a, as an event. Yeah.
0: You you didn't you didn't strike me as a strawberry and creams and pims guy. I'll be honest.
1: No, yet. no. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not um (laughs) just give me a lag and i'm all right
0: yeah i'm sure you'd be (laughs) fine all right thank you so much jack this has been brilliant thank you for your insights um and thank you to everyone for listening along at home i hope you all enjoyed that as much as i did We're going to be back in two weeks time with our 10th episode where we'll be hearing another brilliant story of one of our people here at Leighton UK. But until then, if you are one of the members in our talent community and you are interested in finding out more about what the future might look like at Leighton, please reach out to one of us here in the talent acquisition team. I'll put my contact details in the description below or check out our careers page for the roles that we have live currently. We'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks again, Jack, for sharing your story. Thank you all for listening in. This has been episode nine of the Life at Layton podcast.